podcast where others like myself share their burnout to recovery experiences in hope that by doing so others will find solace in knowing they are not alone. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for evidence-based therapy. These are our own human experiences. Just like I have done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help. Episode 13 brings you the burnout experience of a primary school teacher named Erin. Erin's experience highlights the high and unrelenting demands being placed on teachers here in Australia and I'm sure in other places around the world. She talks about a number of factors that have contributed to her burnout, including the COVID-related pressures, the ever-growing tasks teachers must carry out in their day-to-day work lives, She also talks about what helps support her from experiencing burnout again. I am so grateful she agreed to come on the show and share her wisdom with you. I hope by hearing her story, it guides you towards taking care of yourself too. Hey Erin, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you, Shannon? I'm well. Thank you so much for for coming on to the podcast and your willingness to share your burnout experience with us all. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I was just thinking this morning about how we met, which I think was, it feels like six months ago or was it a few months ago? Uh, Well, I started going to the gym. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I think I've been going for 12 weeks. Oh, 12 weeks, three months. Yeah. That shows how bad timing I am. It feels like longer. (laughs) It feels like I've known you for a long time. Yeah, no, it has. And, And you're, you've, yeah, met you at the gym and you're part of the 5am crew now and and yeah I was just yeah reminiscing about somehow we got talking and we were just having a conversation after gym having our coffees there uh, which a lot of my listeners will probably know that that's a big part of my routine and my self-care is is going to gym at 5am and and Erin walks in and we're having conversations and we worked out that oh Jesus we both have a, a burnout um, story and mm. and and then I invited her on the show and she yes. said yes <laughs> and here you are. Well, part of the reason why I started going to the gym was because my sister said we went for coffee afterwards, so <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah, <clears throat> but yes, uh, I love podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and when you said that you have your own podcast, I was very excited. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to every episode, and you do a wonderful job. Oh, and then when you. you discussed what you talk about on your podcast, I thought. That's me. Um, I'm a teacher and um, I've experienced burnout many times before, mm. as almost every teacher would. Yeah. First of all, if you don't mind, telling us a little bit about yourself and, and about you, you know, your professional background as well. Mm. But, yeah, almost like painting that picture of pre-burnout, just getting yeah. an idea of Erin. Of okay. <laughs> Big I, question. Yeah. <laughs> I have always wanted to be a teacher. Um, even when I was a little girl, I, it's always been a dream of mine to be a teacher, primary school teacher. So uh, 
that made my life a little bit easier because I didn't have to think, oh, what am I going to do when I finish school? I knew. Mm. So uh, I finished school, went to uni, went straight from uni into a job teaching Mm. and loved it and still love it. Mm. I love my job. Mm. There's nothing more rewarding than seeing the aha moments on mm. on little faces when you've taught them something and building relationships with little people, I find mm. that really, really rewarding. So I really do love my job, yeah. but it is hard. Yeah. It's hard. I have two children of my own. I have a 12-year-old and a 12-year-old boy and 10-year-old girl mm. and a lovely supportive husband and... They support me a lot. Mm-hmm. They they can see when mummy's getting a bit stressed and they've learned to recognise, okay, it's reports time. Mm-hmm. We need to band together as a team now and really work together. So they've been, been on the later part of the journey. But I would say uh, when I, f- I was very excited to teach my first class, mm-hmm. like pumped, could not yeah. wait, was in there on the holidays setting up my classroom and, just thought, let me at it. Yeah. How uh, old were you? Uh, if I'm 22. Asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so I was really excited. Uh, then off we go. Here's my little class and loved it until about three months in. Three months mm-hmm. in I went, I could feel myself getting overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I had a beautiful girl next door uh, who is now one of my best friends, and mm. I and she kept saying to me, "Are you okay? Let me know if you need any help." And kept mm. checking in on me. And after about three months, I opened the door and I was in tears. Mm. And I said, "I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I'm so overwhelmed, and you know, I, I, I've just got all these balls in the air." And, and the thing that tipped me over the edge was I forgot to put the chairs up for the cleaner, mm. which is nothing. Mm. It's not a big deal, but it was just that straw that broke the camel's back and she brought me into her room and she said it's okay we all go through this let me help you and she took me by the hand and helped yeah. me through that first oh my gosh what have I done moment so that early early period of your career as yeah. a teacher yeah. that transition from uh, studies yes. uh, to first um, position profession that's a huge And I think um, uni prepares you for the teaching Mm -hmm. and dealing with um, little people. You know, you do child psychology and you um, learn how to plan. And Mm. uh, but they don't set you up for what is the day to day stresses Mm -hmm. of the classroom. And there's just so your mental load is overwhelmed because there's just so many things you have to remember in a day, in a week, in a term. Mm Um, and the overwhelm of, you know, something as simple as putting the chairs yeah. up for the cleaner, yeah. that combined with having to manage situations with parents. I was a 22-year-old and, then, and I didn't – parents were saying, what time should my son go to bed? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. We, they didn't teach this at uni. So yeah. lots of overwhelming things that I didn't have the answers to yeah. when I felt – so prepared before I started I thought I got this this is going to be great I know exactly what it's like I've been to school this is going to be this is going to be wonderful Mm. and yeah in reality it's it's a lot 
Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Thank you for sharing that part of that early, yeah, early mm-hmm. career as well. Uh, because how, how long have you been in the profession now? Just to give that context. Twenty. Yeah. This is my twentieth year. Yeah. Oh, year. congratulations! Thank you very much. Twenty years. It's <laughs> a long time. Has it been a celebration? Because <laughs> that's awesome. I deserve a cake. You, do, you deserve more than a cake. Twenty years. That's that, that's a huge. Lot of experience um, to have under your belt as well. So, yeah. Oh, After I had been teaching only just for a couple of years I said to my boss at the time like the principal at the time who was mm. lovely and so supportive I said how he had been teaching it that's been in the profession for 40 years mm. and I said to him how do people do this for that mm. long like I can't I can't imagine doing this for the rest of my life it's mm. too much and he said to me you break it up and you try different roles. He said, I started off as a teacher mm. and then I did um, just classroom teacher and then I did uh, HPE teaching for a bit. And mm. he said, and then I've done admin roles and now, you know, mm. principal. And so that made sense to me to mm. not just be doing the same thing, to be in a school, but to mm. break things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, nice. Mm. I know this might feel like a bit of switch, but probably come back to that as well or where it all links in I was wondering if you can tell us a bit about when you realized that what you were going through was this term this thing we call burnout like where that yeah in your career kind of yeah sat so I upon reflection have mm-hmm. been through uh, I, I would say that teachers go through a, a burnout cycle Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have holidays, there'd be no teachers because we get up to a pitch and then we have holidays and that gives us the opportunity to come back down to earth a little bit and take a deep breath mm-hmm. and get on with the next term. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually wasn't until last year when my very good friend that I work with said, I think I'm experiencing burnout. And I said, what? what does that mean? Mm. And she explained it to me and I said, me too. That's how I feel. Yeah. And looking back over 20 years of teaching, I can definitely see the pattern Mm. and my husband's been on the journey as well and Mm -hmm. would be able to recognise the pattern of the end of term two when Mm. reports are due and the end of the year when reports are due and um, lots of other things there's a lot of pressure at those particular times but I feel as though in the last 20 years teaching has changed there's a lot more things that are put on top of the pile in terms of Mm -hmm. the responsibilities and things and nothing has ever been taken from the bottom Mm. so used to be term one term one was busy but you're sort of easing into it Uh, term two end of term two reports Mm. are due and that's you know very stressful and then you have a break Mm. uh then term three was usually pretty cruisy Mm -hmm. um not too much used to you know happen in term in term three so you could get it get a lot of good quality teaching happening and you didn't have the pressure of reports and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and then term four was the big one it was short you had to finish everything off and you had reports and end of year you know bits and pieces that came along with it yeah so so it was ter- end of term two, end of term four were the, I used to brace myself for it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I feel like you've really hit the ground running from the first 
week almost of the year, term one, there's something, there's one thing after another and we we now Mm -hmm. gather a lot of, a lot more data on our students. So there's a lot more uh, making sure that we're keeping accurate records, a lot more uh, accountability, which is good, but time consuming. Um, Uh, Yeah. So... So those job demands have increased and none of the uh, and nothing's been taken away. It's just piled on top. A phrase that I use and a lot of people use that, that you're only human <laughs> and humans only have so much resources internally and externally to be able to cope with those job demands. So um, your experience of teaching and I imagine a lot of, uh, of your colleagues have experienced the same thing. It's interesting what you were saying about that, the cycle there that I'm just wondering, has it intensified? Like, would you say like, yeah, I suppose knowing a little bit more about those signs and symptoms or the things that you now with that knowledge about burnout can go, oh yeah. And I'm just wondering if it's intensified with the fact that you've got a lot more job demands as as well now. Yeah, I I would say not only it's just in relation to to me personally, not just the job demands but life gets more complicated Mm -hmm. as well and Mm -hmm. um i as i think back over the last 20 years there's been moments where it's been unbearable Mm -hmm. and other things were happening in my life at the same time like when i had my son and then i went back to work teachers are perfectionists and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of preparation and planning and you're constantly thinking about even when you're sitting on the couch watching telly you're thinking oh yeah that's oh no I can do that activity tomorrow whatever you never switched off but then I had my son and Mm. I couldn't be all things to all people all the time yeah and I really really struggled with that Mm. there was a moment where I was having preparing for an um, a meeting with the parent and the learning support teacher and another couple of people were in there and I forgot something, forgot to bring something or prepare something for the meeting mm-hmm. and I just lost it. Yeah. Cried, I had to leave, had to, and I cried for a long time and it took mm. me took me a long time to sort of pull myself together and my colleague, beautiful colleague, came mm-hmm. out and said, it's, it's okay, you're okay, this doesn't matter, but I was just beating myself up so much mm-hmm. about it and that... I think flipped a switch in mm-hmm. me where I thought I can't be the world's best mum and the world's best teacher. Mm-hmm. And I said to my boss at the time, I, I'm not, I know that I'm not the teacher that I used to be. And he said, Erin, you will, you won't be anymore because you're mum first mm-hmm. and that's okay. And when he said that to me, I just felt a huge sense of relief because I thought, well, yes, of course I'm mum yeah. first. I've just got to, get used to my priorities um mm. being different now um, life had changed for you life had changed yeah. yeah at these different points I have conversations with different people around me and they kind of put it into perspective and I think when you voice it out loud and you say mm. oh I'm not coping and they say that's totally normal yeah don't stop putting so much pressure on yourself and it sounds like all you know I'm hearing so far you've been met with support at those pivotal pivotal yes. times in which your emotions have, have, have come to the forefront yeah. uh, and you've taken that brave uh, leap to speak your pain but then being met by those lovely people who didn't judge it normalized it validated it allowed mm. you then to let go of that 
needing to be everything as a teacher. He also Mm. said to me, what's the worst? I wrote a list Mm. of all the things that I had to do. Mm. Uh, It was, you know, in the term, by the end of the term, I had all of these things because I had to get it out of my head and onto paper. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, why, why am I so stressed and why... Why am I putting so much pressure on myself? So I just started writing. These are all of the things that I have to have done by the end of the term. Mm. And then I counted them up and there were 66 things on the list. Mm. So I took that to him and I said, I can't do I can't mm. do this. And he said, what's the worst, what is the worst thing that can happen if you don't do some of the mm. things on the list? And I said, well, you'll get mad. And he mm. said, no, I'm no, I won't. That's mm. the pressure that you're putting on yourself. Yeah. We can neg- I'm open to negotiation and if you if there are some things there that you can't do, come and talk to mm. me about it. And I'm the type of person that just wants to just get on with the job myself and mm. not say I can't do that. I like to say, yeah, yeah, I can do that, I can do that. And it's taking me a really long time to say no Yeah. and um, put some boundaries up. In in the workplace, sometimes you can't say no because you have. There's certain things that you have to do, but extra things that were on that list, he said. Well, you can cross that one off. You don't yeah. have to do that. You can cross that one off. Yeah. So it, it sounds like some of those things that you've come to learn that have been causes or has contributed to burnouts, like the the job demands that are in the teaching industry that have changed and increased over the twenty years you've been practicing. But then there's also these internal ones that mm. are very common across the guests I've had previously, including myself, mm. the perfectionism, mm. the difficulty saying no. And I think you mentioned a few others there too, like even that um, constant thinking and not being able to, I, I recognise that one in mm. myself, not being able to put that down, like you're always on in work mode, I often call that. And uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of factors that, create this storm so to say um is there anything else that you have come to learn that might contributed to those burnout experiences or caused or, or even just what how it shows up for you in your body in your mind it you know? definitely shows up uh i think and i've thought about this a lot over the last couple of years because i really have tried to recognize uh what's happening before it gets to boiling point I get a little bit manic like Mm. uh need to get everything done right now and everything needs to be clean and um need to get everything prepared it like I can feel I'm at a pitch yeah I need to and and I feel like just keeping my head above the water and if everything's organized and the kitchen's clean and the you know washing's done and all my planning's ready to go and everything then I can just sort of keep my head above water before I sink yeah but then when I start to go under, I feel sick about going to work, mm. get up in the morning and I just drag myself out of bed and mm. it just, you know, sort of limp. And I wish to say this to each other at school, we're limping towards the finish limping. line. Everybody, that is a standard wow. uh, common saying, you know, we're limping towards the finish line. Every mm. term is like a marathon. And I've mm. spoken to my sister and other people in the past about the Christmas holidays where you really get a good solid break and I love my job on Christmas holidays Um, (laughs) but when it gets to January and they start the back to school Mm. ads and 
you know, signs yeah. up and ads on TV, I start to feel that sick feeling in my stomach, like, here we go. Yeah. Okay, right, let's get ready. But I want, I do want to reiterate that I love my yeah. job too mm. and, and that first few mm. weeks of school and the kids are yeah. wonderful but I just know what's coming. I think it's the anticipation of the stress and the yeah. overwhelm. Mm. Our mind and body knows. Mm. It sees that advertisement and it remembers the aspects of it that are tough mm. and it brings it to fruition at the time. It doesn't negate that you don't love your job. Mm. It's just it, it remembers and and our brains are built for survival, so always bring up the the negative, mm. you know, the, the bad aspects of it first and yeah. foremost. So it's reminding you. Yeah. And that, that's tough. So there's that uh, anticipation mm. of that really difficult aspect mm. that, as you said earlier, in over the years it's become that's term one now. I think you, if I remember mm. rightly, it was term two and term, term, two and term four that were usually the most intensive and hard, yes. but now you're on the go from term one. Yeah, so yeah. Mm. Yes. is there anything else there around that, uh, you know, the signs, the symptoms, the things that you've come to learn about your experience of burnout so far? I've recognised that I I start dropping some balls. Mm. I'm trying to keep all the balls in the air and then I, I start the housework goes. <laughs> My house yeah. is a big start. <laughs> So that's and, a sign. Yes. Yep. House is so, a mess. Yeah. <laughs> house is a mess. And I've, my husband is just mm. the most wonderful person in the world and he loves cooking. So I just, I retreat and he just cooks and he's beautiful. And that that's actually taken me a long time to get to that point because mm. when we first got married, I would feel like I wasn't doing my best if I didn't do all the things uh, all the time and he is a very carefree sort of a guy and mm. he he has be, being around him has helped me to think oh well it, it's fine you yeah know, the house is a mess but it's also turn four and you've got 50 million assignments you've got to mark and whatever but what you're saying there that yeah that's getting to that place of allowing your husband to come in and do those things and be okay with that mm has been a transition in itself because mm. you expected yourself to have all those balls in the air in all ways. Yeah. yeah. And, and I thought mm. once you become a mum, mm. a wife and a mum, that that's just what you do mm. when it just happens. But it, it, does. it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. There's, there's um, one of the things that just as a psychologist that I came to learn about perfectionism that I, I mean, there's different ways to conceptualise it. The one that always sits with me and I think makes intuitive sense and, and seems to fit the people I've spoken to who've experienced it and, and, and myself is that one aspect of, of perfectionism is these unrelenting standards, expectations yes. we put on ourselves. And that unrelenting is an important aspect because we all have standards and expectations. But when we have perfectionism, it's unrelenting. Nothing's ever good enough. Yes. And um, we know each other well enough now that it mm. ebbs and flows. So mm. I'm on holidays at the moment. Mm. And so I'm doing all the cooking and mm. and he's working and he's, mm. he can do extra overtime and I'm looking mm. after, look after the yeah. kids. And so we really do, we've got a good um, relationship where we can move with the, yeah. <laughs> the stress of the household. And, yeah. Well, it sounds like a real good healthy team environment because yes. team yes. it's not about 50 50 it's more about what works when for yeah. 
whom and, and in the team, you know. And, oh, and he often says to me, what can I do? Because he can Aww. see that... <laughs> He can see the look on my face and he yeah. says, what can I do? And I just say, keep doing what you're doing in the kitchen there. Yeah. You just handle that. Do it's that. one less thing I have to think about and then I can just sit over here in the fetal position mm. and stress about mm. things. But, yeah, it's good. I was wondering, uh, and you probably started to answer this question already, but maybe teasing it out a bit more is, like, that impact. Like, when when things do reach their peak and, and you are in that throes of burnout um, in the experiences you've had over your career, just the impact that you notice it has, like with, on yourself, on, on your relationships, on life, on your work, just those things that stand out for you. I get really cranky <laughs> with everybody. Yeah, I get cranky with the kids at school or well, like I get impatient with yeah. the kids at school probably because there's a deadline that I need to meet and yeah you know, hurry up and get this finished because, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. cranky with the kids at home because, you know, they're kids and, um, you know, they're making a mess and it's adding to the stress or whatever. Because everything's going to be, well, I know you've worked on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we often talk about, you know, we're a team and (laughs) my husband says, you know, mum's, it's reports time, so mum's a bit stressed at the Mm -hmm. moment, so you really need to pick up those clothes and that, even though we're a team and I love that, I it breaks my heart sometimes that mm. oh, mum's stressed now so we all have to tiptoe around. You know, mm. that that's hard that, to think about. That impact too, I'm not sure if you saw it in that light, uh, but when we recognise that we're not okay and our team is supporting us, one of the impacts is actually even, yeah, our loved one's, Having to deal with that, yes. But that, then there's that guilt or yes. shame or both yes. that you feel yes. for not being your, you know, your best self. Yes. That I mean, your your best self in that moment. But you yeah. know, your your best self, and yeah. and that that impacts hard too on yourself. And I'm sure you being a perfectionist mm. that, that that leads to that cycle mm. of beating yourself up for suffering. Yeah, yeah. And for them suffering because you're suffering. Yes, yeah. and I think um, over the last five years or so, I've learnt a lot about myself as a person, how I cope mm. with things, how I um, mm. uh, recognising when I'm feeling overwhelmed mm. and my personality traits. Uh, I've mm. always thought, oh, yeah, I'm an extrovert because I love talking to people and I'm a teacher. And mm. um, But re- just recently in discussions with another very close friend of mine who is definitely an introvert, she mm. says, when you're feeling overwhelmed, what do you do? And I said, I go to bed. Mm. <laughs> I get mm. away from everybody and I go to bed mm. and I put on a podcast or I, you know, just have to get away from yeah. everybody. And she said, I think she's known me for since yeah. my first year of teaching. She, um, she said, I think you're a, an introvert who really loves people. Mm. And I think that is when she said that, I thought you are absolutely right because I, mm. I get, my energy from just pushing everybody I just need to be by myself and now that I know that about myself when Mm. I'm feeling overwhelmed like at the end of school day (laughs) I get I I come home and I say to my family I'm just going upstairs for a lie down Mm. and they know now that mum just needs 20 minutes in the bedroom don't no noise Mm. don't ask her any questions because she's had questions a million questions all day (laughs) yeah and I just need 20 minutes, half an hour of no one needing anything from me. And I can feel when I'm ready and then I go downstairs and I'm good. Whereas before, 
mm. I wouldn't recognise that and I would just push through and then mm. just be super cranky mum and mm. then be cranky with myself because I'm, you know, inside yeah. my head I'm thinking, yeah. why, you know, saying, why are you talking like this and you're overreacting and just that storm that's going yeah. on in your brain. That's interesting. So you, yeah, have learned a lot about yourself and that's actually been helpful for you to put something in place that's a healthy coping style for you, which is taking that moment to get your energy back after a full-on day of being, yeah, on on the ball and, um, yeah, just needing that quiet time, which I've come to learn as well through through my psychological studies that that yeah I grew up thinking introvert and extrovert it was related to yeah if you're a social being and love mm. going out all the time versus introvert spending all the time inside it's mm. like no it's a mm. lot more complicated that yeah. it's where you get your energy from yes because I love a party yeah, I love a party <laughs> but yeah I don't uh in in a social situation I don't definitely don't get my energy from that yeah I need a moment yeah, you know, I, I genuinely do enjoy people's yeah. company, but mm-hmm. yes, I also enjoy my bed, my own company. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, coming back to the impacts, because delving into coping and and how you know what's helping you and what hasn't helped, mm-hmm. uh, and I want to certainly explore that a bit more. Mm-hmm. But just checking on the impact, because you mentioned there, you know, certainly that irritability, which is a very mm-hmm. common, very common, which you probably now know, and it has such an impact not meaning to, but on your relationships, your kids, your your partner, on yourself because then you feel guilty. Mm. But any other impact? Uh, Yes, when it gets pretty bad, teary, teary Mm. all the time over silly things, roller coaster of emotions. So cranky and then sad and then cranky again, (laughs) sad again. In the past, when I start drinking midweek, Mm-hmm. having a couple of glasses of wine or something during the week and then mm-hmm. that increases and I think oh hang on what's causing this or I mean I love love a wine mm-hmm. but it, and that it, that's actually another topic of conversation among teachers that's quite common I'll be having a wine tonight mm-hmm. you know wine time tonight mm-hmm. and you know that's not healthy that a lot of a lot of teachers drink too yeah. because they want to instantly just shed that school day and mm. try and hurry up and relax. Hurry up and relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, alcohol does a great job of that. Yeah. It is a depressant, yeah. so it relaxes our system yeah. and we can let go and, yeah, it draws you in. It's accessible, it's legal, yeah. yeah. And often um, we make comments to each other, oh, do mm. your reports tonight with, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever and yeah. make them go quicker yeah. or yeah. whatever. So that's quite common conversation mm. among teachers but I could see at some times then I would have a couple of glasses of wine and then the next day I would be tired and yeah. more cranky and then I would it was just it wasn't sort of helping the situation yeah, yeah. Um, long term during the week actually that one of the reasons why I started at the gym mm. is because I was getting to the end of the term mm. term one and I was feeling tired mm-hmm. in the morning when I got to work and that just that heaviness of overwhelm, like dragging my feet to work and sitting in the, turning my car off when I got mm-hmm. to work and sitting there for a couple of minutes just to, okay, all right, let's go another day. Yeah. And getting to about 12 o'clock and just being exhausted, like mm-hmm. I could lay down on the staff room floor and have a little nap. So I thought I would try exercising to wake myself up in the morning mm-hmm. and um, 
my sister's been going to our gym mm. for a long time and she's been trying to get me to go for ages. <laughs> and she goes at 5 a.m. And yeah. I was like, no way, no chance I could get up that early. And I just wanted to develop the yeah. habit first. I'm definitely in the habit of you getting are. up at 4.30. And I never, yeah. if you had met me a year ago, I was like lower than sedentary. Mm. <laughs> I've been so impressed since I've met you and we've had those conversations about uh, yeah, your trajectory with you know exercise, mm. and I think it's just amazing because to get into a ha- any habit, but to get into a habit of exercise and at five a.m. Yeah, with, yeah, with what you do throughout your life, you I'm know, impressed uh, with myself, <laughs> Shan. I another cake moment, it. another yeah, <laughs> moment. I've earned the cake. Yeah, this you, time. you certainly have. Definitely feel more awake. It's yeah. definitely, definitely mm. helped, and I feel because teaching. I mean, you get there at. 7 30 8 o'clock and then 8 30 the kids come and you have to be on you mm. can't there's no okay well, I'll sit down at my computer and I'll just make a cup of tea and ease into the day like you hit the ground running mm. and you're tap dancing all day and I teach different classes throughout the day mm. so every 40 minutes I've got to be up and I've got to be on yes for six hours for other people for, and for other people yeah 20 30 I don't mm, know how big the mm. classrooms are these days but yeah yeah so mm. waking up early and being alert and have had a cup of coffee yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> had my cafe now, yeah. yes <laughs> and um had my breakfast and had a shower so mm. I'm not sort of waking up and going straight to performing yeah. you know what I mean yeah that routine that you now have in place Besides the obvious, I mean, you said, yeah, it makes you a lot more alert, you know, it is healthy, but what is it about that that you think that just, yeah, makes it so helpful? I think the main thing is I get some time to myself at the beginning Mm. of the day. So because we go so early, I am often, and I don't stay for a long coffee um, on work days, so I'm usually home by quarter past six and the kids aren't even up yet, so I sometimes have another coffee when I get home hmm. and just sit there yeah. in silence yeah. <laughs> for a while and just think, okay, what have I got on today? Got to remember to do this, pack, pack my so teacher planning. basket and mm. that sort of stuff. Mm. And, you know, and then I then the kids wake up and make their, mm. their lunches and have breakfast and that sort of stuff. But just having that you know, not even an hour, but just a few minutes to mm. prepare mentally for the day yep. instead of just getting up and do I have my, you know, computer and where's my charger and that's what not it's hectic. It's not rushed. It's not rushed, yes. And it's not with other people in your, who yes. need you at that time, like yes. your children and making them, yeah, their yes. lunches and things like that. You yeah. can plan for you. Yes. And before that, with going to gym and having that coffee with us, mm. <laughs> I love that 5am coffee mm. or 6am coffee, yeah. uh, it, it's time for you, Absolutely. you know, that isn't yeah. planning for work, but then you get home and you can do that. The, and I've, I've heard somewhere, uh, and I don't know where I, get, I got it from, but the importance of doing that from a mental health perspective, for, from a health perspective, mm. that the first thing that you do when you get up, let it be something for yourself, mm. whatever that might look like. It mm. might be 5am gym like us. Mm. <laughs> it might walking the dog, whatever, like whatever floats your boat, doing meditation, it could be watching a Netflix, <laughs> whatever. Mm, yeah. I'm getting an extra half an hour sleep, but something for you. And that's why you're, well, that's part of all, all the thing you're doing yes. it for. Um, yeah. Also, that was another thing that I used to 
beat myself up about, oh, you should be exercising and you should be this and you should be that. And getting up and doing it early, I think if I do nothing else, I've exercised Mm. and it's good for my mental health, it's good for my body, I'm going to feel more awake during the day. Yeah. Just not having that hanging over my head as well. Yeah, you should be doing this. Like Mm. those expectations, that perfectionism comes on, just, yeah, it it comes on everything, you know, it's the exercise that – just those expectations we put on ourselves. It sounds like the exercise routine now is it, it, more than that. It, it's it's become a time for you for yeah. you, which is which is great. Yeah. So we've, we've like morphed into that. Yeah, what what actually helps you? Mm. The, the the things that you've learned through all this process and reflecting back on and all that that mm. that are helping support you with managing your health and well being mm. and and hopefully preventing burnout or if you're going through it being able to um, yeah, recover as well. Mm. But uh, I was wondering if you could you maybe shed a bit more light on, on maybe first the things that aren't healthy. And I know mm. we've talked about you notice the alcohol increasing mm. and that's something that you find doesn't work, you know, and, 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 and feel free to talk a bit more about that if you'd like. But anything else that you noticed you were doing that was making – you were trying to cope, but it was just making mm. it worse or – Makes it worse. Uh, yeah, but the alcohol helps in the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should put that like it's not that yeah. one thing's bad. They yeah. all have their place. It's just it might. Yeah, yeah. long term. Helps in, in in the moment, but yeah, yeah not not oh, great yeah, yeah. the next day. Other things that don't. I think uh, the way that I would try and manage it is uh, so I would joke that around reports time, my house was spotless. Mm-hmm. because I would get into that manic yeah. um, stage where I would clean everything and everything mm-hmm. had to be organised and only when everything was organised around me could I start on my reports because then my head would be clear. And yeah, um, I operated like that for a long time mm-hmm. until fairly recently where I just think, I don't care, my house yeah. is sorry everybody my house is a pigsty yeah there I go apologizing again for my house, <laughs> yeah what, what's been the result of making that shift so far years ago that would have stressed me out mm. and I would have just been sitting in a pile of yeah laundry doing my reports thinking oh my god I can't do this yeah. whereas now and my husband's helped me with this don't worry mm. about it it'll be fine and the yeah. kids helping doing their bit as well and yeah, working the team. Together, together as a team mm. but not having those high high expectations do and we have you know do we have clean clothes for the week yes do we have milk and bread yeah yes okay well we're good we're good instead of thinking got to be on top mm. of everything so <laughs> relaxing my yeah. expectations around particularly stress stressful mm. times yeah so that's been another thing that's a healthy coping style for you as well as yeah is shifting your expectations yes. and yeah. being as, kinder to myself. Being kinder, mm. yeah. Because it's a, sometimes it's a lot of the times it's those internal shifts mm. from one of being our own worst enemy by those high expectations and unrelenting standards mm. uh, to yeah, being kind mm. and and, lo- and and managing our expectations, lowering them or whatever. Like mm. to to suit the climate, the mm. context. Is is the coping? Is is those shifts? I know that was a lot of my work as a psych was teaching people to be able to do that, um, to to shift, make that change. It's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not easy. So it takes yeah. a long time. 
I think that's something else that you've really highlighted too that I think is really valuable information for people that may not have heard it before. This all takes time. Mm. It's not like we wake up one day and we're doing it all the healthy coping mechanisms. Yeah, yeah. It's a shift and change and we still, like I know one of my unhealthy ones, uh, alcohol was never it for me, but I um, turned to food. My One of the signs are I'm eating a lot more takeout. Or I'm oh, that's me too. Sugar. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that occasionally. Uh, you know, it's not that we've, you know, it's not about having perfectionism on mm. our coping strategies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just noticing what works for us and when yeah. and, and how. Um, is there anything else like you on that coping, whether it be something that you found was unhelpful? Mm. Well, you know, what's been helpful for you too? In, in yeah, I think I'm talking mm. and talking to the right people. Mm. So. My husband and I are good communicators now, mm. <laughs> but that's mm. been a journey. I think men, are, it's just how they're programmed to try and fix it. Yeah. Oh, well, just tell that parent to get lost or just tell them that you're not doing that or, mm. you know, whatever, whatever that small solution is to your yeah. problem. And after many years, he knows now just to say, oh, my gosh, that sounds really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to him once, it, you might sound silly saying that, but sometimes that's just, oh, I just need you to say, oh, man, what a tough day, or, you yeah. know, just fake it till you make it. So but that's amazing that you two could, you know, like, again, it's taken time, mm. but you've been able to work that out over mm. time and even recognize that yeah what his default mode is yeah, in terms yeah. of helping you mm. uh and then being able to teach him what you needed mm. once you knew what you needed and then him willing to do that yeah, like it's amazing yeah. it's yeah, it's a great. yeah that, that's really cool and it's funny enough similar process with my partner and I mm. you know and it's taken many years as well mm. to to get to that mainly because yeah. it took me many years to figure out myself yes yes <laughs> to be able to communicate yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Also um, having conversations with other teachers mm. um, because you don't really get it unless you've lived it. Mm. So talking to my work colleagues or other my other very good friends who were teachers and just saying, mm. oh, my gosh, this happened today. Can you believe it? And them yeah. saying, oh, man, yes, that sounds awful. Like not fixing it, so giving me the same same response, which is what, you know you need when you're in that moment you just need some an acknowledgement that you're yeah. entitled to the way that you feel which is um, so yeah and yeah. also humor i've mm. got um my work wife mm. um at school and and we share a class and we often just laugh yeah. about ridiculous situations <laughs> that are so incredibly stressful or yeah. a reaction that a little person's had or a big person has yeah. had that is just ridiculously yeah. unhelpful and we just laugh about it and yeah. make a bit of a make it bring some light into it yeah. and just think my goodness this this job is yeah <laughs> crazy <laughs> humor that's a big one yeah. uh it's yeah but that debriefing too and normalizing and talking mm. about things to help with those stresses of the job yeah no humor I, I I totally I think that's why like one of the things I notice when things get really bad for me that I find I'm watching a lot of uh, passive tv like just things that are easy to watch and I used to then guilt myself for that like oh my god that's not a healthy coping mechanism yeah. <laughs> and then I started to realize that 
I mean, it was a sign things weren't okay, but I started to realize that, no, my my mind was choosing things that were actually really helpful for me. Uh, and, and then I got a bit more strategic in what I choose, which was comedy yeah, as now. Yeah. Um, just something that's not too much energy taking. It's easy to watch, but funny. And mm-hmm. so the humor, and sometimes I'm just scrolling through TikTok, watching all the, I'm skipping the, the not so funny ones and, and just watching the funny ones because yeah. it's relieving. My friend, uh, that I mentioned before that recognised that I'm actually an introvert, she and I really love true crime, oh. which is the absolute opposite of <laughs> watching comedy. But And I don't know what it is about true crime mm. that attracts me to mm. it, but I think maybe because it's so far removed mm. from my world, I can get a little bit lost in it. Maybe it is that. Maybe it's so far removed from your day-to-day life that you can get lost in it and that just it gives your mind something else to do, probably using different aspects of your mind. That... It's got to have a resolution, though. They have to have caught the baddie. Maybe that's what, because I imagine there's things in your job just like there is in, in psychology, but there there is no immediate resolution mm. or one that you can control. And at least with watching that show, you get to see from beginning or listening. It's a podcast, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Listening from shows. shows, yeah. shows yeah. There's a resolution in yes, the end. So maybe yes. it's your body and mind being able to go, okay, there okay, are some good. things that, that I figured t- out. tied up with a nice bow at the end and I can yeah. move on. Yeah. It sounds like you've definitely been through with that evolution of working out what works for you mm. in, in coping. And, and I know that's an ongoing thing as well, right? Yeah. You know? the, the thing that has – so the last significant burnout moment mm. that I had was during COVID – yeah, COVID, the impacts of that. Yeah, yeah, when we had the at-home schooling and learning, and I had an underlying health condition, so I was working from home. Mm. So I was recording lessons mm. and planning lessons and responding to question, student questions, parent questions, mm. almost all day, and yeah. then having, you know, my, my children as well, having yes. to set them up for their remote learning yeah and the three of us not my husband was still going to work he was an essential worker but Mm -hmm. three of us did not leave the house in six weeks yeah and it was around that time that all of our family birthdays and it was just a lot and I was sort of getting up setting the kids up organizing my lessons sending them to my mum so that she could sort of watch them and then yeah the time consuming yeah um, of that and then I'm not sure what tipped me over the edge that time but at one point I was on the floor in the garage crying yeah. <laughs> because I just thought oh my god I can't this is too much this is too much yeah and not long after that I went to the doctor and started taking some meds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was it changed my life okay so that's really worked for me I know that that's not everybody's cup of tea but but that has I take Lexapro Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I still feel happy and sad and everything but I just don't have those extreme oh my god I'm drowning moments and I don't have those tearful I'm not, I haven't like I haven't laid down on the couch yeah, floor. Yeah, I've been back there. I've yeah. been back there. Yeah, and I do feel, even though I get extremely uh, stressed, still mm. I don't. I t- it hasn't tipped me over the edge since I've been taking. Yeah, it. and thank you for for sharing that because you know certainly other guests that I've had, you know, in their regime of 
uh, responding and, and looking after their mental health care has been uh, taking medication and, mm. and with various, you know, responses to it. Mm. But that it can and, and it is a um, viable, uh, you know, something to chat obviously with your doctor or a psychiatrist mm. with. But, yeah, an option because the, the reality is with burnout syndromes delved into the literature on it is that it, it can get to the point that it's actually depression. Yes, you know? yes, uh, yes. And so, yeah, and that's where, you know, these uh, medications can be helpful. Mm. And, and, look, if it's working, it's working. Yeah. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's great to hear, like, what you were just saying there, that you still feel all the feels. It's mm. how it's working for you is it helps mitigate the, the, high, the, well, the low lows when yes. you get into that yes. corner and you're uncontrollably crying. And, yeah. yeah, and I was concerned that it wouldn't because I had heard that it sort oh. of numbs you out and you don't Some have, people it does. Feel, the, feel the feelings. Mm. But I certainly feel the feelings, yeah. but just don't. Yeah. yeah, It's not so extreme. Mm. I think when you get to the point where you can't stop crying and you're in that cycle, yes. then yeah. it's time to. That's I'm a bit, deep yeah. call just mm. semi-regularly, just to, mm. just to check it, yeah. just a little tune-up. Yeah. <laughs> just so that I can download to somebody who's not my family mm. because they cop, you know, my poor husband cops the brunt of it yeah. and someone who can give me good strategies. Yeah. My friends and I send each other coping strategies all the time like did you check out this Facebook article or or whatever but that's what's great like because with reaching out to our personal networks we're getting a lot of support from them and guidance and and guiding each other sometimes Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're going through it too like that that keeps you afloat that's what I love about those kind of networks and community your community Mm -hmm. that that can uh, help us support us through mental health yeah and I think it would be good to talk to somebody as I'm going through the journey instead yeah. of me taking so many years to recognize this cycle if I go to talk to someone okay True. well we're in the middle of term two now how are you feeling or... uh, yeah that's that's a brilliant idea yeah but that's another another coping resource that is available to us particularly here in Australia you know I mean I know it's not always within everyone's grasp in terms of that financial but being uh, go seeing a you know professional to, mm. to get that help and support mm. definitely I, I feel like this question's a little bit left field but I don't mm. want to leave it out so it's sort of kind of going back when you first mm. recognized it was burnout like I'm just wondering what your response was like in terms of when you realize that okay what I'm going through is this thing just what that was like for you, like that I am going through burnout or this mm. is, yeah. Well, it's only, that. as I said, last last year mm. when um, my friend named it mm. and then explained what it was mm. and now I'm looking back and I can see pinpoint mm. moments where it's, been, when it, where it's been burnout, those extreme times um, mm. when I, you know, have a, I used to say, I'm having a breakdown, Yeah, <laughs> having Which, a breakdown. It's a good word to describe it as yeah, well, I think, because yeah, you yeah. literally are breaking down. Is, yeah. is burnout a new, relatively new terminology? Yeah, it will. I think burnout has been used in the literature for some time because it was back in 1974 it was first introduced, the term. Mm. It was used in literature by a German guy and I think he was a psychiatrist, mm. I'm not sure. But it wasn't recognised as a health condition uh, till uh, World Health Organisation added it to the diagnostic manual that the doc- doctors and psychiatrists use, psychologists don't, we use a different one. So it's called the ICD, mm. forget what it's 
stands for. Anyway, who added that burnout syndrome and a list of symptoms underneath work-related occupational stress. So it is recognised. It's still not a diagnosis, but it's a recognised condition. So that was only 2021. It was during pandemic. That's interesting. Yeah. I would have said I have depression in the past. I'm depressed or anxious. Mm. More recently, I would say that I was anxious, term it as anxiety, Mm. but it's more than that. It's more of a heavy feeling. (laughs) And it can be, and this is the diagnostic diagnosis in in mental health uh, illnesses is, is, is still developing Mm. there's still a lot to define and clarify so it's not the most exact system but it's the system we have Mm. at the moment so yeah some people you know depression might actually fit more than burnout does or they might have both it's yeah but Mm. whatever I think taking away those labels we recognize that something's not okay it's impacting Mm. my functioning Mm. I'm not my my usual self Mm. and my relationships my work there's something going on there yeah. and it needs attention and care and mm. both. And I was just, yeah, wondering for you what, you know, was it, yeah, positive or negative for you or neutral even, like, to, to go, oh, yeah, this is burnout. Oh, it was positive. Yeah. yeah, definitely positive because I thought I'm not a depressed person. Mm. It's a, like a work-related depression. Yeah. And it's good to have a label for work-related depression. Yeah. I like – I've never thought about it like that. That actually – I love when people just put things together. That just <laughs> that, that makes sense. It gave me some words to use when mm. speaking to uh, admin at work and yeah. my bosses, just, saying, just to explain how I was feeling. And they were lovely and so Great. supportive and mm. what, do, what can we do mm. to help you? And mm. I know that they have constraints on them. Mm. Um, as well but just they were trying to do the best that they yeah. could to support me and whatever I needed within their capacity they were willing to to do but yeah it just gave me a way to explain yeah gave a language yes. a word around yes, yes. that you could then use where you needed to to get the support you needed yes. or, or at least let them know where you were at yes. yeah that's actually interesting enough my experience has been uh with uh, being a, a trained person that I can diagnose that that's the experience that often uh, the clients have had that mm. although it's been hard you know to hear and they, they, it, for some it's been hard to digest that in the end it's given them a tool it's given them language to communicate to others yeah. what's going on for them and to communicate to themselves ah oh, here's burnout or yes. this is instead of just saying i'm really stressed because mm. everybody's stressed especially in in a school every, every single teacher, person yeah. every teacher yeah. everyone who works in a school is stressed mm. everybody's stressed we're all stressed yeah. so why what makes you any more you know stressed than me yeah. but just being able to say no no you don't, this is more, you don't understand it's more yeah. than that. Because there's functional stress. Because stress is actually a good thing. Yes, we, like, yes. it can. There's yeah. functional stress yeah. and then there's dysfunctional stress, which burnout is a dysfunctional yes. form of stress. You know, it's yes. gotten to a point where it would yes. tip the scales. Mm. Yeah, and I thank you for sharing that. I wanted to go back and make sure mm. we covered that. And one of the questions I often ask too, but you've talked to this, is about that support network as well. You know, we've really um, teased that out, like in terms of your family system, but your friends as well, like your colleagues, your work wife. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, even the school system, although as you 
you know pointed out is not much they can do you know but being able to go to the you know the higher ups the you know principal and uh but then also the professionals as well you know going to your doctor and considering you know going to a mental health professional as yeah, well like, yeah you know that support but I was wondering if there's anything there might not be anything else to talk to that but just I suppose what that has meant to you and maybe if you've had any experiences not so supportive you know mm. yeah if yeah, because that can be, I know that's often a question listeners have about you know, the, how to access support, you know, mm. sometimes even, but even the negative experiences that you've had, anything you can give I think that. it's a little bit of trial and error, finding your people. You've got to find your people. Yeah. And sometimes you can talk to a colleague and they can give you a response that makes you feel worse. Like, mm. oh, I didn't. I don't feel that or, you know, sharing experiences with colleagues and then saying, yes, (laughs) yes, me too. And just having that, making those connections with people. And then when you found your people, you know who you can go to and just say, oh my God, I've had this day and this happened and this happened and, and being there for other people. And listening yeah. to their um, mm. stories and understanding where they're coming from as well, having mm. that relationship with colleagues, I think is the most the yeah. most supportive. I, I wouldn't say that I've had any. I don't know. I wouldn't say that I've had any negative, really bad ones. No, yeah. not really. Yeah. Just ones where it may not have hit the mark, or like even what you mentioned with your husband at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, I was just like thinking the problem that, yeah. solving. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, in the beginning, he was but, the yeah. problem solver and would get stroppy when I wouldn't take his advice you know and and that took a a while for us to find a place where it actually took me saying to Mm. him I don't want you to fix this I'm just going to tell you how Mm. I'm feeling and I want you to say yeah oh that sounds really bad can I make a cup of tea (laughs) that felt yeah yeah. and then he started doing that and it felt really awkward and weird and now he just does it he just knows what to say now, which is great. That's cool. Yeah, there's, I remember early in my um, training there was a graph that, or a diagram that I saw about these two channels of coping um, and one was problem-solve-based coping mm. that your husband met with you initially and then there's one they call emotional coping strategies and that's how he meets you now, which one of them is an emotional experience can't necessarily be fixed but it usually requires being held in some sort of way not necessarily physically listened to heard those kind of things that he's been able it didn't come naturally to him Mm. but with you being able to communicate that he's been able to give you emotional like be your emotional coping support at that time Mm. because problem solving in that situation isn't what you needed and it depends on the relationship I mean if I went to admin and they said oh that sounds really hard (laughs) that wouldn't be the response that I would want yeah well can you help me do something about that please and take some things off my plate or whatever so like you said it's trial and error and and I suppose working out for yourself what you need and Mm. and who Who's able to give that to you? And with those who, like, you've been met with, like you said, it hasn't been totally negative, but it's not quite hit the mark, what do you then do? You know, do you just not go to them? or what? Uh, I get stroppy. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, go to someone else. I've got another very good friend that I mentioned before, the mm. introvert, oh, and yeah. we often have a session where we just sit down and just mm. download about, 
she tells me all the stresses that have happened to her and I she she, she we don't work in the same school but mm. she, she knows stuff that's been happening and I know yeah. stuff that's been happening with her and so we sort of understand where mm. we're both coming from and know the personalities and mm. and that sort of stuff and she's great at she is actually really, really great at saying, oh, my God, that sounds awful. <laughs> oh, what an awful staff meeting. <laughs> and, uh, and then that just makes me feel so much, yes, it was, yeah. it was awful. Yeah. She's, she's great. She is my, in fact, Juliet said to me, my daughter said to me the other day, mm. who's your best friend, mum? And mm. I said, oh, I have lots of best friends and, you know, I have this person, this person, this person. And then I mentioned my friend and she said oh really and I said well she probably knows me better than anybody Mm. and she knows me better than I know myself sometimes Mm. because I'll say something and she'll say well no you're this person and I'll think like she just really gets me and more than my husband well he gets me in other ways but yeah. Um, she knows how my brain operates yeah. we've been through. She's known me longer than my husband, so she oh, knows wow. me really, yeah. really well. And she's we're good for each yeah. other, I think, in that way. I don't ever feel – sometimes when you have an um, emotional conversation, they're not, high, they're not always highly emotional, yeah. but often they do. Sometimes you can walk away from that conversation feeling really depleted, mm-hmm. like someone's – sucked a bit of yeah. your energy out and I never feel like that with her I feel mm. energized and yes I'm I'm you know I I'm okay feel, feeling like this and it's right to feel angry about this yeah. and this is and sometimes she says okay so let's make a plan not this is what you should do no. um let's make a plan we you could blah 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 or you can do you want to do Choice. this do you want to do that mm. she never comes in and says okay this is what you should do she never mm. does that she doesn't ever try and fix it Gosh, she's like you, yeah, like a really great counselor. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's the best. <laughs> I know one of the barriers that often people share with me, and I know it was a barrier for me in sharing, just speaking my pain to others, was I didn't want to burden them. I felt like, yeah, if yeah. and that comes up all the time. Um, not so much with me now. I've been able to overcome that, but with clients, it, and mm. and what has stopped them from sharing mm. has been that fear. Yeah. But for you, yeah, yeah, my friend, my work wife, mm. she apologizes to me all the time and says, mm. "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to dump all this on you. I'm, I know you're stressed." And I've said to her many times, "Mate, yeah. that's why I'm here. Yeah. And that's why you're there so that when it gets too overwhelming, mm. you can unload, you know, mm. to me and and vice versa because that's you've got we have to we have to yeah. support each other like that you mm. need to be able to say it's yes. it's just but it's fundamental we, we're not meant to do things on our own um, everyone needs obviously different levels of of how much support that looks like but or how much contact that they need but we, we all need communities mm. so it's yeah I mean thank you for sharing your experience because mm. it's it, it's so important to to yeah branch out and chat to someone even if it's your gp to start with yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. you know your barista like, <laughs> <laughs> you know whoever just start talking yeah mm. and find trial and error as you say yes. find your find your people yes. it's not going to be instant. stop trying yeah. to work yourself out yeah yeah so we've crossed many bridges today yeah, like yeah. <laughs> in terms of getting to know you you know but that and your profession and and your you know 
finding out and understanding this burnout and then reflecting back over your years as a teacher and, and just your journey through recognizing the signs and symptoms and and then how you cope and, and changing that and morphing and then support and all of that stuff. I feel like we've crossed so many, many bridges and there's so much that has come out of today's chat. But I suppose just like ending, you know, bringing this to a close, I often like to do this, like that I mean, you shared so many things that would be invaluable for those listening already. But if there's anything that you would draw out that were the biggest lessons for you so far in, in your burnout experiences? I don't be so hard on yourself. Mm. That's easier said than done though. Hell yeah. Talk to people and see the funny side because mm. teaching is hilarious. Yeah. It is. The kids the are bit, yeah. so funny <laughs> and the situations that happen and so really Look for those. Look for those. Yeah. Seek them out and share them and laugh about them. And yeah, that is oh, that's a lovely. Makes yeah. the job worthwhile. Yeah, and I would say medication if you're up for that, give it a go. Oh. Um, even if you try it and it's not for you, but it's mm. been very helpful for me. Yeah. And explaining to to those around you, your loved ones, mm. this is a particularly stressful time for me at the moment. Yeah. So be aware. Yeah. Be aware but not alarmed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm they okay. know they know now yeah. the particular times. I've got this coming up. I'm really we we talk as a team now. Okay, team. We've all yeah. got to pull together because oh, it's going to be crazy. I like your family. <laughs> they're great. They're yeah. great. But it's take it's taken us a long time that's, to get there. That's the look. Not to, I mean, thank you for yeah those takeaway lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going to like my takeaway from hearing your story is that really just like just highlights is. Things will take time. Yes, yes. Uh, that they don't just happen overnight. You know, actually recognizing you know the things that are taking time, recognizing what you're going through is burnout, recognizing what you need from your husband and being able to communicate that. Yeah, everything takes time. Even treating yourself more kindly and not beating yourself up that has taken time. And I know that's still a work in progress for me. <laughs> and and that's actually something that I know. One of my previous guests, who I've just been chatting with online recently, that she was she shared that that uh, what she's realizing is recovery from burnout is an ongoing thing. Yes, and I suppose it's that word maintenance. You know, so a lot of these things that have taken time, it's not like oh now you're treating yourself with loving and kindness yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. There'll be moments where you're beating yourself up, and yes. then you'll remind yourself, and yeah, yeah, how to say no to things that you don't have to do, or you're yeah. just taking on because you feel as though you bound uh, boundaries yeah. is a big one, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because quite yeah. often in your own mind, you think they're going to, this person's going to be really disappointed with me if I don't do this, yeah. and in reality, they haven't given you a second thought, or they it's think Erin will tell me if she doesn't yeah. feel as though she can do this or yeah. whatever. So. It's all in our head most of the time. And I don't mm. mean that in a bad way. I mean, mm. yeah, that we're creating this perception of what other people will think. 100%. When it's actually, they haven't even given a second thought. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, I had the same thing. Like, other people would be disappointed if I don't keep up mm. on there. No, no, no. <laughs> Quite opposite yes. most of the time. Well, thank you so much, Erin, for for um, sharing, yeah, your, your experience with us all. And I feel like... Uh, 
like I said before, you you shared so much with us, and there's so much that I know, I know people will get from from listening to to this episode. So mm, thank thank you. you so much for having me. I love your podcast. You're doing such a great <laughs> job for people. I listen to some episodes, and I send you messages saying, "Oh, I love this. What was the name of that book again?" So it's really helpful. Thank you so much, and and please keep sending those messages. <laughs> Kiss my ego. Good, I will. I Inflated. Will. No, no, I love it. And actually, I I'm not sure if I shared with you uh, and. Because I think you'll probably be the first person that I knew of that had listened to all my episodes. And that was really gratifying. I'm like, oh, someone's listened to all my episodes. (laughs) It's cool because you don't know. You don't know. And my mind likes to say that the worst case scenario that no one's listening, even though there's evidence. Anyway, thank you so much. It's been absolutely wonderful. And um, I hope it's been fun. Yeah. Good catch up. Maybe have you back on the show one day. Maybe. 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 <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Burnout, a different kind of gap year podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to remain a patron. Your continual support will help the growth of this community. You can also show your support by letting others know about burnout, a different kind of gap year, and leaving a comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your burnout to recovery experience, please email me at a different kind of gap year at outlook.com. The views, opinions, tips, and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for evidence-based therapy. These are our own human experiences. Just like I have done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help.